What I'm sharing today from the uh, writings of uh, the Apostle Peter are really a commentary on what was written years and years and years beforehand, and we read that in our unison reading in uh, Psalm 34. But he is commenting on this, and we see that many of the words that we find are identical. He's just taking it, and he's just working it into uh, that message that God had laid upon his heart for us. And so I want us to uh, look at that again. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to chapter 3 of First Peter. Chapter 3. My, uh, my verse, though, that I am basically looking at is in, uh, found there in verse 12. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So uh, uh, as we have been going through this wonderful, wonderful book, we get to the third um, to the very third chapter, and we've been on beyond that, but I'm going back to uh, this particular chapter as we look at this. And I would say we look at it, well, uh, behavior of wives and husbands and etc. Well, it's the establishment of what should be in a Christian home, a Christ-like home. And so husbands, wives, look at these verses, check them out. I'm not going to read those, but I'm moving on, uh, beginning at verse 8 and uh, through the 12th verse. And these are the verses that uh, Pastor Mark read earlier. And uh, he's saying, finally, you know, after all this, you've established your godly home. Christ is the very heart, very center of it all. He says, be of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful. That means be sympathetic, be hearing, be open to the cries of those fellow Christians. And uh, he's, he's already told us we're not to render evil for evil. He's just laying out so much of what the Christian home, and I'll tell you, the, the basic Christian home is part of the church, isn't it? It's the church. It's what God has brought forth out of the darkness of people who were bound for hell, and yet he's brought them into unity with himself and unity with one another. And so we look at we we look back, and he's saying he's talking to the wives, he's talking to the husbands, and he's saying all of us be of of one mind. And so as we look at this, uh, if you remember at the beginning of this series, I talked about uh, the way the writer uses terms. Oftentimes we find in the Bible um, uh, words like the eyes of the Lord or the ears of the Lord uh, or the face of the Lord. And we find these things, and these are ways that we ascribe to Almighty God, and we have no description of him in the Word of God, in His features, but we have given to us an opportunity to see human characteristics or human forms that we understand to give us a window into our wonderful God. And so, as we look at this and we see there in the 12th verse, we, we see these wonderful things talking about the eyes of the Lord. And, and I, I want to say this, that as we look at this scripture today, I, I hope that as you've been seeing, singing this morning and that as you've been identifying some things about God, Almighty God, is that he, he, he cares about us. 
His eyes are open to us. His ears are open to us. He cares about us. And his desire is that the family of God then is responding as he does to his children. And that is discipline in our lives. That is discipleship as we study and as we learn from God's Word, as He brings us from glory to glory until finally we stand in glory in His presence in a wonderful way. But it's all part of it, isn't it? And as we've been looking at this, this, this marvelous epistle, this letter that uh, Peter gives, he is just, just filling us with understanding, with, uh, with a sense of who we are. And if you notice in some of the, the, uh, the scriptures that we read, even from the very beginning uh, uh, of our service today in, in the second chapter, why you look at this and, and you, you, you find that we are built up in Christ Jesus himself. And then as we got to that verse that we talked about there at the very beginning of service, the call to worship in verse 9, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are particularly set aside and set apart that the Holy Spirit may live in you and walk in you and demonstrate God in you in this world. The mercy of God is brought forth as well. You didn't know God's mercy, but now you have tasted of God's mercy. We serve a wonderful Lord who cares about us. And you've come out of a week and maybe you have stubbed your toe or you've fallen flat on your face. I've done both. And God wants you to understand that he cares and that his eye is upon you and his ear is open if you are his own. And so we come to this word, and we, we see, and I've just named it the all-seeing, all-knowing one, and he cares for you. I'd worked a, a few different titles to the message this morning. Um, the easiest one was the eyes of the Lord. But it didn't, didn't uh, uh, you know, include everything there in those verses. But we serve God, and we need to remember every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, that is, that is an all-seeing God that we serve, an all-hearing God. His ears are open to his children. Now, he continues and, and tells us the terrible dilemma of those who are not in Christ Jesus. For his face, he says, his countenance is against against those who are not his own. And so I don't want to read all through those verses again, but if you have your Bibles open so you can look at them, and we see these, these wonderful uh, characteristics that are attributed to Almighty God himself. And although we serve a God who is spirit, in order to understand him, Peter just gives the same usage of the words that the psalmist did years before. So that we can, we can speak intellectually about him. So that we can understand in regards to some of our own senses and have a picture 
of the quality of our God and the wonderful, gracious God that we serve. And we, we, we look at him as a, a, a distinct person. As the Bible speaks about his hands, about his mouth, about his arms, about his fingers, about his feet. It's a metaphorical way of speaking, and yet it helps us to understand. God's ways are higher than ours, and we are limited in our understanding, but God in his grace has given to us this understanding. So let's take it on. and Let's live in the fullness of what God gives us in understanding. I believe very supremely, we even talked about that, was that uh, when we talk about uh, being born again, born anew by the Spirit of God, through the grace of our God. God taking on human flesh in the incarnation, that we may come and taste and see that he is good. Oh, our God is filled with mercy. <clears throat> At the beginning of this chapter, we said that uh, uh, Peter is exhorting uh, these believers, these Christians, to uh, a Christian home life. If there's anything ought to be demonstrated in your life, it's your, your godly home life. It's your Christian home life. And that's what God expects. And that's, as we look at, at uh, these verses especially verses 8 through 11, we are given um, various um, requisites of the Christian life or the, the, uh, uh, for living as believers. Is that important to us today? It is of primary importance for us as Christians. And between uh, verses 11 and 12, if you look at that, let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. And then there's a word that begins the 12th, and it's, it's a, a connecting conjunction. It's that little word, for. Or the word could be translated, because. Because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. How wonderful it is to see how, how the Lord himself, the Spirit of God, connects these thoughts and brings them into line. And so he's saying, because or because of this, this. In other words, live the Christian life because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, his ears are open to supplication, and his face is against evildoers. That's what the scripture's telling us. And this brings some wonderful truths that I want to share with you. Three truths that will influence our lives, I trust. Do you remember when you were a little child, or perhaps you're a little child today, and you know that when your parents are watching, you're on pretty good behavior. I heard the kids in elementary choir singing, and, and one of their songs was uh, Obey, Obey Your Parents, Obey Your Parents. And then there was a little thing put in, and some children said, except when they're watching, is that the word? Except, except when they're looking. And I thought, wait a minute. That sounds too much like the average Christian. When it comes to our heavenly relationship with our heavenly parent, 
As, uh, when, when we're in church together, we act a little bit different. But when we go out of here, if I were to ask your wife, or if I were to ask your husband, or your mom, or your, your child, they would say, hmm, it's different. It's different. Have you ever heard unsaved people say, oh, I wouldn't go to that, that building over there and meet with those Christians? They're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, we can't deny that we are sinners saved by grace. We're sinners, and we live with the, with the, the, the ever, I shouldn't say everlasting, the earthly struggle in our flesh. But to, to be spoken of as a hypocrite is a terrible thing for the life of the believer. And yet how often do you as a believer fail to recognize that Almighty God has His eye upon you? There's a little song that went something like this. He sees all you do. He hears all you say. What is it? My God is watching all the time or something like that. And that's a, maybe a kid's song, but it's an adult theme. And we need to take it to heart. God sees us. He not only sees our actions, he's, and he not only hears what we say, but he hears what's going on inside, and he sees beyond what our neighbors see. He sees behind your closed door. And so we can dress it up and we can take it to the building we call the church. And we can still be in agony of spirit because we're not walking in the light that God has given to us. The eyes of the Lord. And so these three tr truths are here. Listen to them. He watches. He watches over me. He watches over you. The second truth is he hears prayer, folks. He hears prayer. Believer's prayers. Or a sinner who coming through grace, he hears that prayer of the sinner. And then thirdly, he punishes evil. We don't get away with a thing not a thing, because our Heavenly Father sees it all. He hears it all. And the Word of God tells us, we read it in the very beginning from Psalm 34, we read it here as Peter declares it, his face is turned against those who do evil. Three things, and I want us to look at those quickly this morning. First of all, God is watching our actions. He watches our actions. We understand that, don't we? Because we are brought up and most of us had to kind of surrender our wills to somebody like mom or dad or some caregiver. Very early on, we learned to rebel and learned that we weren't going to just do what everybody says. And then... 
the Lord Jesus receives us into himself, unto himself and we're transformed. And now it's our surrender to Almighty God, transformed living. You know what I find? I find just as I did with my parents, I struggle at times about surrendering, submitting to my God. But he watches my actions. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, Peter says. We have an all-seeing God, and we need to underscore that. We need to allow it to have a place, a significant place in our thinking and our awareness. Do you know that if we do not discipline ourselves to study the Word of God and hear things like this, we will not just out of, our, out of the blue be thinking in those terms. We're to train ourselves through the Word of God that we may be who we ought to be before a holy God. Remember God in the same, in the same book says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. His expectations of us are to be different. And so as he does this, he watches our actions. He sees everything we do. We're to live with this in mind. We're to bear it in mind. We're to, to discipline ourselves to, 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 to bring that to mind somehow in our actions and the way we walk and live our lives. Remember, Long, long ago in the desert, Hagar, who was in trouble. But she cried out before God because she had an understanding that sometimes we don't or we miss. And she said, Thou, God, seest me. Have you been in a circumstance lately or a situation or a physical dilemma? or a lousy, gone bad relationship where you have been able to come to Almighty God and with that assurance and that trust say, Thou, God, seest me. If not, why not? Have you forgotten who you are, child of God? He sees all that we do. You know, the Bible talks about idols that have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they don't hear anything. But our God, eternal God, is constantly looking upon his children. It's demonstrated time and time again in the word of God. And since God is all-seeing, it just goes without saying that he not only sees our good works, he sees our wrong actions, our wrong thoughts. And so sometimes as a believer, maybe you've given your testimony at work, or somehow you've, you've shown that your life is righteous and you think differently and you're not going to do this in that company. And maybe your, your group of, of fellow workers don't have the same mindset you do. And so, but they know you. They know that you serve God, that you love Jesus Christ, that you have declared that you are his own. 
Perhaps they use some kind of language that's, that's horrific, as much of the language today is. Or perhaps they do something that is out of, the, out of Christian character, and they say, oh, excuse me, um, excuse me, I, you know, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that word in front of you. I know that. And you want to cry out, but wait a minute, the offense is to Almighty God. You see, God sees it. He sees it. Men do not realize that God hears their every word and sees every action in their lives. God is the all-seeing one. God is the all-knowing one. God watches our actions. And our actions are not unheeded by God simply because judgment is coming later. And so is exaltation. What's it going to be for us? If God watches us, as the Bible says, it's not as if he's there ready to pounce. The idea that we have in, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 34, the idea that we have from Peter's discourse here, and which, by the way, both places, inspired by the Spirit of God himself. But he watches what we do. And our lives are not unheeded by Almighty God. He watches us. He cares about us. And he cares like maybe your dad cared when you were doing something wrong and you think, oh man, if only he were out of the room, I could do what I want to do. But in reality, as you grow up, you realize, man, my father was training me. He was teaching me. Now I would love to have the eyes of my dad upon me. But I love knowing that I have the eyes of my heavenly father. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And he watches his own. He cares for me. Jesus taught us that our heavenly father watches over the birds of the air and even the flowers, the lilies of the field, even more. He concerns himself about you and about me, his children, his kids. And so we sing that song, Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God watches our actions. Second truth, God hears my prayers. Now remember, I'm talking about the family of God, God's own children. <clears throat> he hears our prayers. Another translation says his ears are attentive to their prayers. Jesus said something very much like that in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, very familiar scripture. And, and Jesus said, ask 
and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. God hears our prayers. Come out Wednesday nights and see how often the mention of God uh, and the praise of God has to do with God hearing us and meeting us because he's heard our cry, heard our prayer. And Jesus backs it up. He says, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Are those words meaningful to you? And I believe that we are to go to God in prayer as if we were going to our king. In reality, he is my king. But my mindset when I come to him in prayer, is it as if I'm coming before my king, that all-powerful one? Oftentimes, it's less than that. And that's about when I'm not aware of his watching me every moment. But I can go to him as my king. He's the king of the universe. He's able to sense my need and to solve my problems. I heard this illustration one time a long time ago. Uh, it had to do with um, Alexander the Great. Many of you have studied him in school and you understand that he was one of the most powerful rulers on the earth, mighty, and his word could bring death, it could bring life. He once had a, a man who was in his service who did him a great, great favor. And, and Alexander says to this young man, he says, he, he, he said, you ask me anything Anything, I'm going to give you that privilege. You ask me anything you want. And that young man hesitated. And he was fearful that what he might ask might be too much. And Alexander turns around to him and says, It may be too much to ask, but it is not too much for Alexander to give. Do you know God says that to us? How can I, with my failure and my filth, and how can I come to Almighty God and dare ask for His blessing in this area of my life? And He says, it may be too much to ask, but it's never too much for me to give. We serve a God like this, a God who hears our prayers. So I would just say to you in connection to this, this very wonderful teaching of the, 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 the wonderful ears of God that we should call upon him in a time of temptation for strength. We should call upon him in a time of trouble in our lives for help, in a time of anger for calm thinking and putting it together in the power of the Spirit of God. We should be willing to call upon him in our time of weakness for holiness. Seeking the fullness of his spirit and in a time of sickness that he may see us through 
bring us to health in time of hating somebody who has kicked you and you're down for that love of Christ, that agape that we do not understand apart from the grace and the mercy of our wonderful God. Above all the noise that this world is making and it's making a horrendous noise. In fact, the noise gets so loud sometimes it would seem that we do not hear the voice of God. We get so caught up in it that we will not read the word of God. It's so busy. And above that noise and all of the, the busyness our world, God will still hear his children. It says his ears are attentive to our cry. Do you know that sometimes, have you ever noticed, well, I've noticed this, um, we have a, Sunday lunch is usually a big time for us because we have not only the Bosworths, but we have the Rolands. And uh, you have these kids, and once they get their tummies satisfied, they're off and running. And pretty soon, if it's not good weather, they're in the house, and they're all over the house, and the, the noise becomes heavy. But do you know what? If Bethany has laid her little baby to sleep upon a bed back in the bedroom area. She can somehow hear through the din and the noise that little one's cry. Me? <laughs> Even at a great distance, God hears our cry. The Lord hears his children. That brings me to the third truth. We've had the first is this thing about the eyes. He sees it all. The second, about the fact that he hears the cry of his children. The third is this, God punishes evil. Don't ever forget that. When you hear about the love of God, don't ever forget that there's the justice of God and the judgment of God upon sin. There has to be a balance and that's what's wrong in so many of our lives, even in our homes. We can talk all we want about the love of God. And we forget to allow the concept of the, the judgment of God or the fact, the truth, that God punishes evil. Look what it says here in this verse. It says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now that word, therefore, face, in the Greek means countenance, God's countenance, or this, 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 this very idea, the, that focal point. Where he sees and understands the inward heart and the inward feelings. And the Bible says that the very countenance of Almighty God is turned away from evildoers. Now maybe you're here today and you're a believer. And you've just kind of taken this lightly that, oh, I've not seen judgment for my sin immediately. I want you to know judgment is coming for sin. For the believer who is trusting and walking 
in the, the fullness of the Lord, in the salvation of Jesus Christ, in the shed blood of the cross. There's no condemnation, Paul tells us. But when we respond to life and we reject the truth of God and we act any way we want, then the very countenance of God is somehow turned away. And you know what that feels like when the countenance of your wife or the countenance of your husband or the countenance of your mother or father or child is turned away from you. That's agony. God turns his back upon you when you turn your back upon him. Now, as believers, we know that that's just simply an interruption of fellowship. But for unsaved men and women and young people in our land and in our world by the millions, as they reject the God of the ages, he turns his countenance away from them. Praise God. He has given to us as believers confession of sins and the promise of cleansing and restored fellowship. But for the believer, there's eternity of judgment and hell's damnation apart from God's saving grace through Jesus Christ. And he has called us to be channels of his blessing where we live and where we work. I want to continue my thoughts a little bit on this. God does punish evil. And he gives us the clear plight of the unbeliever. And he warns, Jesus himself warns against hypocrisy. Remember he talked about the Pharisees for pretending to know God. And their, 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 their outer look was like, oh, a clean vessel. But within there was stinking, rotting of humanity and sin. And all the pretense is nothing but denying God in their living. God is against all evil all unrighteousness, all ungodliness, all hypocrisy. Well, since this is true then, I would just say this, turn from sin to Almighty God. Turn. You know, in the Bible, that word turn has to do with repentance. Turning and going around. Turning, going toward destruction and damnation, turning to Christ himself. Turn to Christ for forgiveness today. Turn to him. Trust him. What's truth? It's Bible truth. It's God's truth. It's the only truth that will go on throughout 
all of eternity. The poet, some poet, I don't even know who, who it is, but he wrote these words, you cannot hide from God. Though mountains cover you, his eye our secret thoughts behold, his presence all our lives enfold. He knows our purposes untold. You cannot hide from God. Believer, today you've come and you, you hear these, these requisites for Christian home, Christian life, Christian family, Christian living. And you are tolerating sin in your life. I would just say this. Simply repent, confess your sin, and on the basis of 1 John 1, 9, be made clean before our holy God. If you're here today and you're an unbeliever, then you're lost and you're without a shred of hope apart from Jesus Christ. Repent. Turn from your sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess that you're a sinner, that you're worthy of God's wrath, and receive by faith, simple, childlike faith, forgiveness of sins and that penalty of that sin. And trust Christ's finished work on the cross and be saved today. Psalm 34 says it as well. Let me go back there to Psalm 34. Just let me close with this. 34. And look at the end. The last verse says, The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. That word is condemned. That's Old Testament grace. And that's something you, if you're if you're not a child of God, you can hold on to that truth and walk in that truth before a merciful Heavenly Father who will hear you. Will hear your prayer of repentance. So whether you know Him and walk with Him, or if you don't know Him and you're not walking with Him, I would just say to this, and we're going to sing this, it's number 328 in your hymnal, Get it out as I say this. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word.